Hello, and welcome to the ARC Podcast. My name is Joy Fabry, and I am here with... Adam Savadas. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Today, we spoke with Ellie Poole-Ewalt about her new book called Chase Away Cancer. And we hope that it's a touching message for you to hear. We talked about Ellie, about her background, her family. She lives local here, so she's able to come into the office and uh, speak with Adam and I. She also brought her husband and one of her sons along, and it was a pleasure to meet some of the family. Yeah, and we talked about not only about her book, but just about how her message can touch people who maybe you don't know someone with cancer, but who's suffering in some way. The, there's, an, there's a universal message to her story, so it was great to get to get to know her better and hear her story firsthand. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, you'll find as you listen, is just very charismatic, very warm, and has a sense of humor and um, is able to maintain joy even in, even in the darkest of moments. So we pray you're encouraged by this, and um, we're glad you're listening. Yeah, and be sure to check out her book, Chase Away Cancer. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm here with Joy, and today we're talking with Ellie Poole Ewalt. Did I say that right? Beautifully. Great. Who is the author of Chase Away Cancer, which comes out in May. And we're going to make everyone believe that we're talking, and the book's already out. So we're Beautiful. in the future now, even though we're in the past. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. A day I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Ellie, we're so thankful you're here with us. Um, and we thought we'd just start by talking about your family. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and then um, how you started to write? Oh, of course. Oh, it's my joy. I I love talking about my family. So um, my husband is Bob and he's my he's my support. As you guys know, he's here with me today. And we have four small children um, ages 10, see now this is going to try me, I hate yeah. their ages, <laughs> 10, 7, 6, and 4 wow. now. Yeah, it sounded way impressive when they were all under 5. Yes. So, um, and our oldest is a girl, and then we have three boys like stair steps. So mm-hmm. it pretty much ensures that we never know what's going to happen next, and there's usually a lightsaber dent yeah. somewhere in the house. On one of the wa- Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And no one claims responsibility no. either. You know, I had, I had someone do a little artwork on the wall and sign their name to it and then try oh. and say, no, that wasn't me. So okay. I suggested next time, don't, don't, don't sign, sign your, your name. name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm. Just for reference, it was spelled C-H-A-S-E. So, oh, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are, um, we are broken and we're messy and we have so much fun and we've, you know, just been going through this with Chase's cancer now for, it's going to be four years in July uh, since he was diagnosed, Mm -hmm. July 31st, 2012. So the Lord just keeps taking us step by step through that, you know, both the the trials and the hardships and the joy and the laughter. We we do laugh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Ella, you keep a blog. So was Mm -hmm. that, did that initiate when you heard about Case's diagnosis or after? Actually before, before. Um, maybe a couple years before uh-huh. um, when Bob and I were first married that was right when the market crashed um, you know and we were kind of in an economic downturn and so we were stuck in uh, approximately like a thousand square foot condo and then we started having children and it, there are two bedrooms and suddenly we have 
four kids in this thousand square foot condo and there's just there's no room for sanity let alone our our stuff you know and so it became I started the blog kind of as an exercise in well first of all because I'm a little bit of a lazy parent it's easier actually just for me with family around the country to go okay it's out there you go find it (laughs) I'm not going to remember to call you and tell you so just you can go find the stories when you're ready or the pictures but also as an exercise in thankfulness, kind of whether it was something um, big, like, you know, a, a milestone for a child or just the mundane things, you know, Chase hid under the coffee table today and Aiden couldn't find him. You know, he's like mm-hmm. six months old or something like that, where it was like, I choose thankfulness. I choose laughter because, I mean, when you're a parent with little kids, particularly when they're stacked one on top of another, the way ours were in terms of timing and space, um, it's a lot of times it's funny or die. You mm-hmm. just have to choose which one it's going to be yeah. to survive the day. So mm-hmm. that was, it was kind of a, a personal catharsis and an exercise for me. And then when Chase was diagnosed, they said, you're going to want a way to keep people updated on what's unfolding. And so then the blog kind of took on that secondary thing and has since very much become that, mm-hmm. you know, a, mm-hmm. secondarily to anything else about the family. So, yeah. yeah sense because then you, you don't have to keep telling people the same things over and over that's probably exhausting oh it's you can just say that it's, yeah you know, it's on the blog well and more than that even when Che was first diagnosed literally everyone we knew and even more people I mean hundreds of people reached out to us in the first mm. 48 hours it was beyond wow. anything we could handle and we didn't I mean we're moving floors in the hospital and being moved in and out of the ICU and sometimes there's cell signal and sometimes there isn't so to be able to just have a place where you could say this is what's happening this is all I know for now, and people mm-hmm. could leave their comments or interact with you there. It, it was almost kind of like a shield. You, you yes. got to be just a little bit removed even while you were being open, which was really necessary, particularly in those first days. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you, we were joking before we started <laughs> uh, recording that Sarah, the acquisitions editor, <laughs> showed up in your doorway. But yeah, how did how did the book come about from? Was it from the blog or? Um, a mutual friend of mine and, and some people in the publishing company called me last January and said, hey, by the way, I um, told some people that they should read your blog. I hope you don't mind. And he, he said, but don't expect anything. You know, this is tw- at the time it was 2015 and, you know, you don't have an agent or anything else like that. And within a few weeks, he called me back and he said, you know, I think Tyndale would like to have a meeting with you. And that was huge. And I mean, since the, and to a certain extent, the rest is history. Um, it was actually kind of funny because when they asked me to submit a book proposal, I could tell in that moment, like, this is a really big deal. And I didn't know what a book proposal was. So I had to go back to Jan, like, months later and be like, I researched it now what I know what this is. Can I please rethank you for this opportunity yeah. now that I know how huge it is? And so, um, but no, I, I feel Tyndale just kind of folded me in as a member of the family. Like, you know, we showed up on the doorstep here and seriously, you know, Beth Vargas takes my children to go play and stuff like that. You can see Karsten already had all of her stuffed animals. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's just, we've just kind of been folded in to the family here and it's been a great blessing mm-hmm. to us and it's uh, we've also felt like there are more people who are voicing our struggle who are voicing what we're going through with chase we've just felt so loved and supported yeah. with that so it's been 
I realize to a certain extent there is the aspect of a business transaction in this that I'm writing a book and Tyndale's publishing it, but I feel very much like we've made friendships and even joined a family, so to speak, mm. which has just been such a huge blessing to us. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Ellie. Oh. Um, can you tell us a little bit more, and for our listeners, Chase's, about Chase's condition and mm-hmm. um, the progress that it has or hasn't made over the past four years? Absolutely. Chase was diagnosed with a brain and spine cancer. It's a, it's a cancer of the central nervous system, which mm-hmm. in rare cases also includes the kidneys. Um, it's called atypical teratoid rhabdoid tumor, more commonly referred to as ATRT because let's be honest, it sounds like an angry dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> when they first told me, I was like, oh. I've never heard of this. What is this? So um, when he was taken in, he had a tumor so large in his brain that it was literally pushing one half of the brain into the other. And there were tumor cells all over the brain, just covering like a dusting almost of, of snow over the brain. And it would, there were deposits in his spine and the spinal fluid was full of cancer fluids too. So he was pretty significantly advanced by the time we got him to the hospital. Um, it is a cancer with a very low survival prognosis because of how it moves. It is very aggressive. It is, of course, malignant. And up until about 20 years ago, it was folded into a couple other cancers. And really, so it had no name. It had no um, real cure or treatment. And so now there is um, there are a couple different options. Um, that are available and neither of them are ideal but based on how the child is doing and how far the child is advanced you know there are things that they're doing and I know they're working very hard now that Chase is out on immunotherapy and some other things like that because the road Chase took through treatment was 10 different chemotherapies sometimes as many as five at a time he was having injections in his spine um, almost every week obviously a significant uh, brain surgery, what they call a resection. He has a scar that runs from his hairline and the front all the way back and then down like behind his left ear. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty wicked scar, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, he had 33 radiation treatments and, and then went through this chemo, all this chemo for 14 months. So it is intense and um, Anecdotally, I, I don't have statistics on this for you, but I do know particularly in other countries, children with ATRG, um, or I should preface this by saying that many of the children who are diagnosed, it's most commonly diagnosed at age two or under. Mm. And so um, you see in places, particularly other countries, where doctors won't even treat the ATRG patients. They just encourage the parents to take the child home and and basically encourage palliative care until the child passes because the treatments themselves are so rigorous that and we saw this with Chase there were several times where it was like we came up to the minute where it was like are we going to be admitted to the oncology floor or are we headed to the ICU like it's Mm -hmm. his blood pressure or his vitals or whatever they need to turn around in the next hour or Mm -hmm. or we're going in a different direction so I'm sorry, that's kind of a long answer to your question, but that's um, a little bit about his cancer and his treatment, and, and he is, he's obviously still with us. 
uh, today were just really miraculous and he has quite a few neurological and physical challenges because of it mm. um, all you know from the tumor and the treatment and things like that but where where we choose to land on that is that he's still breathing mm-hmm. and so this is again where the moment by moment nature of the journey comes in mm. so. Thank you, um, it's a good segue into uh, a big part of your story is Chase's attitude through the whole process. Can you t- tell us a little about a bit about him and just how he's responded through this through the, the past few years? Absolutely. So it makes me laugh because he's very aptly named Chase. Bob is the one who <laughs> said that, you know, and it's like from the moment he was born, he's been moving and just so active and stuff like that. And so that really set the tone for us um, in treatment is that and this is, it was a really great distinction that his doctor made, and I, I talk about this a little bit more in the book. Um, as long as we're doing things for Chase, we move forward. The minute we cross over into doing things to him, we're done. We'll have a different conversation then. And so Chase's attitude and his strength really made that clear. It made it clear that we we're doing things for him. And he just, his resiliency was insane. I mean, I probably would only now be getting up out of a hospital bed after the brain surgery, and he was five days out sitting up in the bed playing managed by nothing but Tylenol. And that was incredible. At the time, we didn't know enough about um, brain tumors or anything else to fully appreciate that, but there are many children who go through the surgery and and come out um, with loss of motor skills, loss of uh, verbal skills. There are some children in more extreme cases that are almost... They're fully alive and fully functioning, but are entombed in their body after a surgery where the where um, the connection to communicate is just completely severed. And some, but it will take days for them to grow back into that and be able to talk and and move. And Ch- like when we were taken to the ICU after Chase's surgery, he tried to stand in the bed. Like his head is is puckered, and it was horrifying and he tried to stand in the bed and he was screaming I want my mommy I want my daddy and it was horrifying to me at the time and the nurses kind of like chuckled and not in a mean way like I could tell they were relieved to see he was moving but it took us quite a length of time to see how unique and precious his resilience was and so that set the tone for us and so we were devastated about the cancer, but where there's life, there's joy. And so it was totally possible one minute to just be on the floor crying, you know, separating from him as another surgery or a, a, a more chemo or whatever. And the next minute, you know, he'd have his anti-nausea meds and he'd be, you know, ready to go find the little tricycle that's on the oncology floor. Complete, you know, he'd have his IV pole hooked up. And so he'd be like pedaling down the hall and I'd be like with the IV pole, like trying to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. And he, you know, one of my favorite things, there's like a, um, like a cluster of residents sitting there and he just, he blew through them. They just like parted and he's like, gentlemen start your engine (laughs) so he just you know he has a thing where it's like you you can't stay sad you can't stay on the floor with that and so for that i'm thankful he has that god-given will and personality where what you know it makes him want to fight for life and want to fight for joy and so in some ways our job was very easy because we could just take our cue from him 
Wow. I'm so sorry. Um, did that answer your yes, question? I feel like we started here and ended <laughs> no, up here. No, you, you are know. so articulate, Ellie. <laughs> oh. You really you say things so beautifully. Well, um, thank you. One of the things you do mention in your book is Chase's love for Matt Redman. And um, his, in particular, his song, one, or 10,000 10, Blessings, reasons, right? Yeah. Reasons. Can yeah. you speak a little bit to that? Oh, of course. It. I, I don't remember the year that Matt Redman wrote it, but I think it was fairly new when Chase was diagnosed in 2012. And I would listen to it. The first, the first chemo stay we had, Che went in for surgery in the morning. We're in for five days with chemo. His, his central line that the surgery had placed uh, infected. So he was in for two surgeries in two days. Like they removed it one day and the next day they put something in. And four days later, he got his first fever. And when you have the central line, you have to go to the hospital with a fever because the body is compromised. And he ended up being in the hospital for 14 days with high fevers as his body mm. fought the chemo. He started losing his hair and all that. And so I used to sit um, the Children's Hospital is down off of Michigan Avenue in Chicago, and so you can see the lake and everything like that. It's beautiful. So I'd sit on the 17th floor with my iPad, and he was almost unconscious, but I was listening to that song. I found just so much comfort in it, um, just thinking about blessing the Lord in the worst of times. Whatever may pass, let me be singing when the evening comes. And when Che kind of was conscious, he asked me, can I listen to my song? Can you play my song? And I was like, um, there are a lot of songs. What are you talking about? But so he kind of, he made like this clicking, humming noise. And then he said, oh, my soul. And I realized he's talking about 10,000 reasons. And from that moment on, it kind of just became this thing. I have it on the iPad laying next to the bed. Every music therapist learned how to play it, you know, in the hospital because they knew if they came in, he wasn't going to want to hear Old MacDonald Had a Farm. He was going to want to hear Matt Redmond's 10,000 Reasons. And so it kind of became this anthem for us in terms of what we would want our hearts to say, it, particularly in those first months as we, we didn't know if Chase would live or die. And so no matter what happens, to bless the Lord. So it was our anthem, our, our heart's prayer, and also became Chase's thing to the point where when we'd be taking the Eisenhower in, he you could always tell when we were getting close to the hospital because he'd start listening to the song. So <laughs> it's like, you know how like athletes have their, their song they listen to before the big game or whatever else like that? That was Chase with 10,000 Reasons. So, wow. And Che actually had a chance to meet Matt Redman in August. I, get, I write about that a little bit more in the book. But so now he totally feels like he and Mr. Matt they're they're, they're really good friends he's yeah. like I really love him I need to talk to him oh. and I'm like oh he's <laughs> not in the country <laughs> we might have a video of that somewhere there there was a video taken at the concert I haven't seen I it yet yeah, but I don't want to spoil anything yeah but, I, think but so. I mean and I think Matt Redman has I think five children four of whom are boys I would need to double check that, but I mean, so he totally gets like the boy energy because he got down on their level and he's like, which superhero is better? And you could just see Aiden and Chase be like, oh, he's awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when I have to tell you, and I don't know if this should be in the podcast or not, but the Redmond kids actually sent, they've been praying for him and they sent from the UK last week a Spider-Man costume for him. They so did. he went to he went to Lurie uh, last week 
wearing his Spider-Man costume. Oh, Redman. I love so that. It was most. It encouraged him so much. It was oh, great. Sure. So I was so encouraged to see like those heart ties, those connections. Mm. You know, so oh, yes. kids don't realize that that would oh, yeah. be like a weird thing to wear. Like I saw a kid yeah. at the zoo the other day just wearing a full-on cowboy outfit with the holster and everything it's like that kid yep. is rocking it <laughs> but he kind of wishes adults we could be like yeah. that you know where it's just like I don't care some people this do. is who I yeah, am some people people do. yeah uh, I'm not one of those people <laughs> no, <neither>. at all <laughs> um Ellie as um you've talked a little bit about the hospital mm-hmm. can you tell us more about your relationship with St. Baldrick's Foundation and mm-hmm. how that's been instrumental in Chase's journey yes um we love the St. Baldrick's Foundation. They've been a huge blessing to us. We we actually kind of connected again through mutual friends and um, one of the directors called me and said, would you, I, I noticed you write, would you ever be willing to write for us? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, and all I knew of them at the time was that they, you know, people shaved their heads and it seemed kind of crazy. But they're actually working to fund research for childhood cancer um, as it's one of, it's severely underfunded. And and I want to be careful about that conversation because anyone who has any kind of cancer sees inside that particular cancer arena ways that things should be better. And so I, I don't like to ever say childhood cancer should be the number one priority of everyone everywhere. I mean, my mother is a breast cancer survivor and things like that. I see what's lacking in childhood cancer funding because I've lived that. Chase, one of his most terrible chemotherapies was one that's commonly on, on the floor called the red devil because it's a red orange color. And it was, um, first created in like the 1950s for adults and it's being used in experimental doses in children but they do know one of the side effects is wearing of the heart muscles so Chase has an, uh, a heart test every year to make sure that his heart muscles are still strong after having this really terrible chemo and those kinds of things or like um, some children who have tumors in arms or legs there are still amputations being performed things like that where it's where um I hesitate to use the word barbaric, but there is that nature where where research just has not come to the point where children are in a good place with this Mm -hmm. disease. And 80, I think 95% of children who survive treatment will have some kind of chronic illness, and 80% of those will be life-threatening illnesses by the time they're 45. When Che was diagnosed, long-term survival and I'm, I'm putting that in quotes long-term survival was three to five years wow. like that was considered a success story mm-hmm. and so what st baldrick's is trying to do is that we really need to format chemos that are actually made for a child's body not an adult's body and we need to look at how children interact with the disease because the pediatric cancers are just so different from adult cancers and oftentimes aren't linked to um lifestyle or diet the same way many adult cancers can be so they're just trying to raise awareness about this conversation and then also with percentages trying to make a difference for the kids and we realize like Che has already had you know at least a first round of treatment and with that came the damages Um, but I think my hope for that is obviously the ultimate cure is Christ and until we see him face to face, we're going to struggle on this earth and it's going to be hard. But I would love 
to see of some of these cancers like ATRT, you know, a time when we can say they were, but they aren't anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the teeth is, the teeth are gone. Like Mm -hmm. being in a room for a parent in 10 years with an ATRT child will not be like what it it was for Bob and I, like it will not be that devastation. Mm -hmm. So that I would love to see. And the way we partner with them is just sharing our story. So occasionally I write for them or Chase was an ambassador mm-hmm. for them and we get to go and do head shaming events and he'll get to talk to the kids and tell them he's a survivor, wow. which is really fun. So, oh, and Chase is attending neuro-oncologist with the St. Baldrick Scholar as mm-hmm. well. Chase participated in that study, mm-hmm. studying um, biomarkers and micro-RNAs in pediatric tumors or something. I, I memorized that because I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> But yeah, what a title! Yeah, wow! Oh my goodness! But Isn't that amazing how we can minister to others even in struggle? We don't mm-hmm. have to be out of it or on the other side mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. to say like, I I'm going to encourage you as I am in pain, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you and Bob have been able to do that mm-hmm. as parents, and then chases yeah as a survivor as well. Well, sometimes coming along someone beside someone and saying, I don't have anything that I can give you to make this better. But I'll come and sit in the trenches with you while you fight. Yes. That is a powerful thing because I think sometimes, particularly in in the Christian world, we want to look for that Bible verse where it's right. like, it's it's gonna go away. We're not gonna feel pain. We're not gonna, you know, things are gonna go back to being all right. And and this and this is what a lot of the struggle in the book is, is seeing the goodness of God even when the circumstances aren't removed and the healing isn't given. Like God is there in the trenches. And, and so I think that's just an incredible comfort, you know, for us and then for us to turn around and, and try and kind of bend that out of our own lives for other people, whether it's talking with St. Baldrick's. And honestly, one of the greatest things about that is being able to go to events and then get to talk to the parents and the families afterwards. Those, those are just the really precious connections mm-hmm. to me are the people we meet through those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Are there other childhood organizations that you've worked with or that you know of or oh, that yeah. people should be aware of? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like How leading, long do you want like the list? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there are quite a few organizations. Uh, some of the ones that we've, we haven't worked with very many because when Chase was in treatment, his treatment was so extreme that we didn't, we just, we went to the hospital and if we were lucky, we got to come home. We didn't do much else. But um, some of the other ones that we love and really have benefited from are obviously Make-A-Wish. Chase's Wish was a swing set. There's a gigantic swing set in our backyard. It's really great. (laughs) He loves it. Um, And obviously anything through Lurie Children's in Chicago we're so thankful for. Um, I'm trying to think here. There is an organization called Cal's Angels, which um, they're actually – in the Chicago suburbs, they're local, and it was started by a couple who lost their oldest son, Cal, to leukemia. And so not only do they, and they're kind of a wish granting, and now they're getting into research as well, funding research, and they come to the hospital once a month, and they do a pizza party, and they have these rolling shelves of, of toys for the kids, where you can just hear it, like, trundling down the hospital halls, and all the kids are like, woo, oh. you know, if you're going to get poked with needles at chemo and stuff, it's just so precious. Or, like, say when they come in in December, they'll do a cookie decorating party, you know, or something like that. So they have 
themed activities for the kids and things like that. And that organization has been particularly encouraging to us as a cancer family to go, here's this family, they face something that's our ultimate nightmare, the loss of a child, and yet they've turned the, their sorrow into good for others as they you know, have this organization and have done this really incredible thing. So yeah, I would highly recommend you know, any of the, and like I said, there are so many, and I know, you know, Children's Miracle Network and all of those, mm -hmm. they're amazing, but I would say, you know, St. Baldrick's, Cal's Angels, some of those are the ones that we really have had just personal connection mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. That's incredible, Ellie. I'm just so <clears throat> encouraged by your story, by your family. Um, Praise God. I have, you know, family members and friends mm -hmm. who either are struggling with cancer or who have, and I'm sure that's a common story for most people. Mm -hmm. So to see your family be as resilient as you are, and ultimately, like you said, the true healing comes from Christ. Mm -hmm. And we will have trial in this world, but eventually when we see him mm -hmm. face to face, all of this really will go away. Praise mm -hmm. God. So yeah. um, is there anything else you'd like to share as we wrap up? Oh my, I, I don't know that I could have said that better. Like, <laughs> that, it, that is one of my favorite verses and that's been a paradigm sometimes for understanding things that otherwise I couldn't or wouldn't is that idea of Revelation 21, that the day is coming, that he calls us his, his people and he is our God and there will be no more tears or pain. And that I feel that particularly when I have always had peace about Chase. What's hard for me is when other children who have Chase's same disease and same doctors and same chances, maybe even better chances, um, they pass away. Or, you know, friends of Chase's, you know, who pass away and things like that. Those are the times I feel just this powerless anger and yet it drives me deeper into the, to the cross. I mean, wrestling with Christ, I think about that just Jacob, the picture of Jacob, like it brings you face to face with God. That's exactly where you should be. Mm. It's just that face to face. Um, and so I just, I, I love so much that idea that this may not make sense in our lifetime. And yet the day is coming that, and that I think is the thing that I take with me. And this is, once again, you know, this is a story of, of childhood cancer but it bends out to all cancers and, and all people watching loved ones suffer and all hard times. I mean, I was shocked how much I had to reapply these lessons when we were buying our house. I mean, of all the silliness, <laughs> you know, and yet it was like I had to go back over. It, mm. Stress is stress. And so it just the day is coming mm. and God is faithful and these things are not wasted and we may not know what they are yet but they, they're not going to be wasted because mm -hmm. he is good even in the worst of times yes so. yes thank you ellie yeah. oh my thank goodness you. my pleasure thank you for having me do this i would encourage people to check out your blog which is chaseawaycancer.com chaseawaycancer.com and it's sort of a combination of your story plus mm -hmm. some advice even there was a post today about yes um what, it, what to say, or, um, or maybe that's yeah. an old one. Nope, nope. Yeah, it was, it, today was about uh, what we learned from cancer siblings, and we've had right. some other, like what to say to a family who's newly diagnosed, or mm -hmm. what not to say to a family yes. who's newly diagnosed, yeah. and yeah, occasionally you'll, you'll, 
show up with like the funny things too so it's mm-hmm. not it's not all cancer so mm-hmm. you'll get to laugh with us too <laughs> yes and you have and a facebook mm-hmm. page too um, mm-hmm. and the book comes out in may yes it'll already be may when people listen oh i'm to this. so excited <laughs> <laughs> Yay, oh that's a, and che thinks it's his <clears throat> book he'll be like when oh. is my book coming out <laughs> that, I, that i wrote so uh-huh. i was like okay <laughs> okay honey yes yeah Oh, well, thank you again, Ellie. We so appreciate you and your time and your family. Oh, it's my pleasure. God is good. Thank you. Thanks for listening.